Let us pray. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Okay, uh, the dark side of Christmas, we have a content warning. Can you read, can you read that? Okay, quite dark and mainly about kids. You have been warned. So we'll go for the uh, scripture reading, Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 to 18. Will you now hear the word of God? Matthew records, Now when they had departed, that's the Magi, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Take, rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, or magi, became furious and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and all that region who were two years old and under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah, a voice heard in Ramah, weeping in loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children, she refused to be comforted because they are no more. This is the word of God. Uh, anyone here has seen Rogue One? Okay. I introduce you to an old friend. Can you zoom in? <whistles> try the tightrope, oops. Not bad, huh? 30 years old, I think. Almost. Uh, do you know who this is? Don't need to tell you, right? Or uh, two. Of course, I got my friend Vader as well. Hey, for you guys, I took him out of his original packaging, which has already turned yellow. It's over 20 years old. Of course, uh, remember Vader saying in his James Earl Jones voice, Luke. You do not know the power of the dark side. <clears throat> uh, of course, this also acknowledges that the title is inspired by Star Wars. Um, and that's why it's called The Dark Side of Christmas. But it's not original. Just search the internet and you'll see how far back it goes. Ecclesiastes is right. There is nothing new under the sun. Because everything's been there, done that. Um, I do like one post by a certain Benjamin, dated 22nd December 2007. 
he, the, the, the post read, reads like this. A few years ago, I heard one of my favorite preachers preach a sermon, which I've remembered all these years. It was about the dark side of Christmas. And I just hope that maybe this sermon may be just a bit like that, memorably. So why dark side of Christmas? Isn't it a contradiction? Christmas is supposed to be joy to the world. The Lord is come. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. Even the night is bright. But as I've often said, every silver lining has a dark cloud. Is that correct? Of course it is. It's a Melvin original, of course it's correct. <coughs> By the way, I'm at the last bits of a cold, so it may sound a bit funny. But never mind, I think I'm past the contagious stage. I've given it to a lot of people already, so... I don't think I'll be able to give it some more. Christmas does have a dark side. And we Protestants need to learn from the Roman Catholic Church about this. For them, 28th December is called the Feast of the Holy Innocents. Also called Childermas. Not Christmas. Childermas. Because it refers to what happened in our scripture reading. Actually, it's the same scripture I used last Christmas. Of course, you don't remember except for the part where Herod kills the children. The Feast of the Holy Innocents remembers Herod's massacre of the baby boys in and around Jerusalem. Actually, this is perhaps, truthfully, the only really, really dark side of, in the whole account of Christmas. And it seems so out of place. Even in the struggles of Mary, Joseph and the Magi, they seem to pale in comparison in intensity. And if you look at the original, the prophet Isaiah, Rachel, uh, the, 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 the wailing in Rama, um, it's the same in Jeremiah. It, the quotation is from Jeremiah uh, 31, uh, which is like this. Thus says the Lord, a voice is heard in Rama, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children. She refuses to be comforted for her children because they are no more. The whole of Jeremiah 31 is a joyful thing, you know. Uh, it's about happiness, about God restoring and rebuilding His people, gathering them, redeeming them, returning them to their land. And then this very funny verse 15 comes in. But of course, it's balanced by verse 16. Thus says the Lord, keep your voice from weeping, your ears, your eyes from tears, for there is a reward for your work, declares the Lord, and they shall come back from the land of the enemy. So, it seems so incongruous, even in Jeremiah 31. So we ask, why? Why, Lord? So let's get back to the internet. Um, to me, one very significant post is by this lady called Amy Wellborn, recounting the Christmas baptism of her baby son. In two, and this was posted in 2005, and I think the baptism occurred the year before. And this is what she writes. About a year ago, she says, my husband and I travel across Indiana, the cold and the frigid cornfields of Ohio, to have our youngest son baptized. Uh, it was not quite, but almost spur of the moment. A bishop, an old friend of my husband's, she says, would be visiting his mother for a few days after Christmas. And yes, he could certainly squeeze a baptism in. The parish church was available the bishop's sister and mother would be witnesses, and there you have it, insta-baptism. 
Wow, a bishop baptizing never happens in the Methodist church, you know. I've never seen a bishop baptized before. But Catholics happen, so maybe we need to learn from them again. It pays to have friends in high places, as they say. But as it turned out, I'm reading from her account some more. That's not the actual one, it's just a representation. And I think it's a Catholic bishop, I'm not sure. I asked a Catholic, he didn't know either. Okay, this is what she writes. My baby's baptism in Ohio was, according to earthly judgment, a disaster. The weather was miserable, icy and cold. No one's cameras would work. It was that cold. The bishop decided we might as well immerse the baby fully, which was okay with us, but it turned out not to be okay with the baby, who commenced screaming his lungs out at the unexpected bath, and not okay either with the bishop's elderly mother, who was quite horrified. And circling around us the whole time was our three-year-old, the elder brother of the, the elder child, uh, brother, sibling of the baby, who seemed to have absorbed the demons driven out of his brother during the exorcism part of the rite. In the Catholic baptism rite, there's an exorcism element and who would not, in the face of many and varied threats, be still. He raced, yes, like a demon, in and around the church constantly through the whole affair. And Amy Wilborn says, I've helped out at many baptisms in my work in my parish ministry, but this one was, I think, the worst. Then her reflection. December 28th brings us back to babies, but with no relief. It is the Feast of the Holy Innocents. Remembering the children Herod ordered slaughtered, according to Matthew's Gospel, in his rabid fear of the rival king. The message is clear and hard. Following this baby, as he reaches out from his, to us from the manger, looking at us with soft-eyed cattle and docile sheep, comes at a price. Comes at a price. There is an edge, there is an edge to Christmas, a harshness, a different kind of promise than that implied by the easy words of peace and glad tidings. It is a mystery. Actually, this then leads me to believe that the dark side of Christmas is crucial. There must be a dark side, because only then it helps us to see the light better. You know, when you look at the night sky and you want to see the stars, you go out to the darkest place, the countryside if possible. The city is the worst place to see the night sky. Why? Because there's too much ambient lighting. <coughs> if it was all light, we would forget. We would not remember what we must remember about Christmas. It's not all peace and good tidings. There is a harsh edge to Christmas that we must not forget. So what, we must, what must we not forget? Let me just suggest three things. Number one, we must not forget we are Herod. Dark side of Christmas reminds us of our sinfulness, or as the theologians put it, our depravity. You may say, well, I have nothing to do with the death of the boys, but don't be so sure. Matthew has a very interesting way of wording it. Literally, he says, it says, having sent he, that is Herod, killed. Of course, we know the soldiers did the killing. But Matthew said, 
Herod killed because he gave the order. So what if we were not there? We are Herod because it is because of Herods like us that Jesus, our Savior and Messiah, had to come to save his people from their sin and be for us, Emmanuel, God with us. This we must not forget. We are Herod. We also must not forget those who pay a price when God fulfills his purpose. Uh, this is for Star Wars people. Any Star Wars people here? Return of the Jedi. Before the second Death Star is attacked, Mon Mothma, leader of the rebellion, what does she say about the information brought? Many Bothans died to bring this information to us. A great price was paid for the destruction of Death Star 2. Same for the Christmas story. We forget Mary, the pregnant teenager. Joseph, the disgraced fiancé. How the people must have thought. It wasn't a big town. How would you like to have that reputation? Hey, your girlfriend, you know. Or Mary and Joseph. I mean... For Mary and Joseph, it was a tough time for their reputation. The Magi traveled a whole year, as far as we can tell, to reach Jesus through all kinds of dangers. And then, of course, the baby boys, especially the baby boys. To me, they were the actual first Christian martyrs. Of course, we are told it's Stephen. And technically, tomorrow, 26 December, is uh, the recognition the Roman Catholic Church remembers Stephen as the first Christian martyr, but is he? To me, the babies were the first Christian martyrs. And so the dark side of Christmas reminds us of those who pay a price for God's purpose to be fulfilled. A couple of weeks ago, I preached, excuse me, are you a martyr? Number three, <clears throat> the dark side of Christmas reminds us of children all over the world who suffer. Um, at the end of the last service, an elderly gentleman said to me, you must remember the old people as well. So I retorted, you know, nowadays people all over will talk about the old guys. So today my job is to, reduce, re, to redress the balance. So I'm talking about kids. Sorry. I don't know whether he agrees or disagrees, but never mind. <clears throat> we are not baptizing him. <laughs> not today. <laughs> Alright, Dark Side of Christmas reminds us of all the children in the world who are still paying the price for our sinfulness. The children of the world who suffer even as we speak. Children who have been massacred, abused and lost. Just think of Aleppo. Children who are displaced, they are refugees, fugitives, homeless, street children, especially now in the northern hemisphere winter. They are children that are going to die because they are homeless in the wintry north. It's going to happen, in case you don't know. Children who are forced to fight, engage in conflict, whether voluntarily or otherwise, who take up arms to kill other people. You need to remember children who are involved in crime, but on the other hand, although some of them are forced, some willingly, 
but most especially children who are forced into the sex industry. You remember children who are broken-hearted because of loss, family dysfunction and breakup. <clears throat> we are told in 1996, before Christmas, a Christian teacher called Philip Lawrence was killed, died. His son, Lucian, wrote the following letter to Santa Claus, whom he called Father Christmas. This is the letter. Dear Father Christmas, I hope you are well and not too old, or cold, sorry. I hope you don't think that I'm being a nuisance, but I changed my mind about what I want for Christmas. I wanted to have a telescope, but now I just want to have my daddy back. Because without my daddy to help, I would not be able to see the stars anyway. I'm the only boy in the family now, and I'm not very big. And I need my daddy to help me stop my mummy and sisters from crying. Love, Lucien, eight years old. Stephen Covey, um, Seven Habits of Whatever People, I can't remember, tells of his experience in the New York subway, the MRT. And this is what he writes. While people were sitting quietly in the car, a man entered with his noisy and rambunctious children. The man sat down and closed his eyes as though he was oblivious to his rowdy children. The once quiet subway car was now a disturbing place of chaos. The children's inappropriate behavior was obvious to everyone except their father. Finally, Covey confronted the man about his children. The man opened his eyes and evaluated the situation as if he was unaware of all that had transpired. Oh, you're right. I guess I should do something about it. We just came from the hospital where their mother died about an hour ago. I don't know what to think. And I guess they don't know how to handle it either. We remember these children as we remember the dark side of Christmas. Throughout the year, I've been uh, collecting or listening to the news, and here are some other examples. I don't know whether you've seen this, but since they're quite recent, I think some of you might. This, uh, this Ukrainian mother who left her children to starve in their flat. She left them for nine days. Um, one, two years old, and sister, three. She left them a few chocolates, went to stay with her boyfriend for nine days. By the time she came back, the younger one had died, and the older one was rushed to hospital. We think she might survive. You know what she said? I didn't know babies could die. There's an um, eight-year-old Tyler. His mobile home... Next, please. His mobile home caught fire, and he managed to rescue six people, including two younger children. However, lastly, he went to rescue his disabled grandfather, but he failed. 
grandfather died, Tyler died. He was found next to his grandfather whom he considered his best friend. Next one. This one you probably have seen. This is local, Straits Times. This young girl, 14, tried to save her dad from a fire and in doing so was so badly burned they may need to amputate both her hands. And the worst one of the lot, as far as I can tell, is this very horrifying story of a 21-month girl who survived cancer only to be killed by her father because she, he was jealous of all the attention he got. Children who are still paying the price of our sinfulness. This is part of the dark side of Christmas. Now, I'm sure you all are all the way halfway to depression. So, let me perhaps add in just a couple of silver linings. Firstly, um, both sides of the story a pay the price which results in a silver lining. Next slide. <coughs> this CEO of PIMCO had a wake-up call because his daughter was arguing with him about brushing her teeth. And during that argument, she went and left and brought, home a, uh, brought back a piece of paper she gave to him. And he says, it was a list she had compiled of the important events in her life and activities he had missed due to his work commitments. It contained 22 items, including her first day at school, her first soccer match, her parent-teacher meeting, and a Halloween parade. The CEO, his name is El Arian, said he was defensive. He said he had an excuse for each event, Travel, important meetings, urgent phone call, work, anything that is something he had suddenly to do. But, he confesses, it dawned on me, I was missing an infinitely more important point, I was not making enough time for my daughter. He used to go to work at 4.30 every morning. But, his response, in understanding what a price the daughter had to pay for him, he quit. And instead of going to work early, he spends time preparing breakfast for her and bringing her to school. So in the light of children paying the price, there is a positive response that can be made. You remember the photo here that I'm going to show you? You remember this one? This is the boy from Aleppo. You know what's the silver lining here? Next slide. Six-year-old child in the U.S. writes to President Obama, can I offer my home for this young boy? Of course, don't need, but at least he responded to the child who paid the price. And finally, um, 
let me tell you a story, one of my favorite Christmas stories, actually. Uh, because the dark side of Christmas needs to motivate us to help, to respond by helping those who pay a price. And we must never forget, some of you may be wondering, in this Christmas sermon, where's Jesus? I hope you're wondering. Jesus is the one that pays the biggest price in Christmas. So let me end with this story that hopefully brings everything together. It is told by this lady called Jeannie Williams. I want you to stare at that photo, even though it's a bit blurred, just stare at it for a while. While we, you hear this story, <clears throat> every Christmas, Jeannie Williams puts out a nativity scene with something missing. Because it reminds her of a deeper truth about Christmas and our Saviour's birth. It happened some years ago when she was out doing last-minute Christmas shopping. And in the store, she had spotted a nativity scene that had sort of spilled over. And she also could hear a mother scolding her young daughter for putting something in your mouth. You know, like mothers say, don't put that in your mouth. But the daughter, the young daughter, was saying, no, it's not. It's the little baby Jesus. And I'm kissing it, not putting it in my mouth. I'm kissing Jesus. Well, the mother just didn't care. She was too busy. She was too preoccupied. She just wanted her daughter to put it down. But the little baby, the, the, the little girl kept talking about this figurine. Look, mommy, it's the little manger. And the baby Jesus got broken off. The mother was too busy until the little girl said, Mommy, can we buy this little baby Jesus? With that, the mother lost her temper and yelled, I told you to put that thing down. And she moved toward her child. And Jeannie Williams was anticipating something quite ugly to happen. But rather than losing her temper in an outburst of rage, the mother crumpled into her young daughter's arms and began to weep. The little girl's response was to try to console her mother by apologizing. I'm sorry, mommy. I promise I won't ask for anything else. I'll put baby Jesus back in the manger. And the mother apologized as well. She said she was sorry because they were so poor and how she wished she could buy her daughter something extra. But they just didn't have enough money. But she tried to boost her daughter's confidence by saying, well, maybe next year we can get a real Christmas tree. This is the daughter's reply. You know what, mommy? I don't need this little baby Jesus anyhow. Because my Sunday school teacher says, Jesus really lives in your heart. So all those of you who help in children's ministry, this is the kind of work you are doing, okay? So keep at it. My Sunday school teacher says, Jesus really lives in your heart. I'm glad 
He lives in my heart. Aren't you, mummy? So they walk away from the checkout counter with the handful of necessities they can afford. And of course, Jeannie Williams, overcome by what she has just seen, she scrambles to pick up all the pieces of the nativity and go to the checkout counter. And as she's paying for this broken nativity scene, she gives the baby Jesus to a staff member and indicates for her to please give it to the child. And of course, that young girl accepts the gifts without much consciousness of where or how. And she gives baby Jesus another kiss and walks away with her mother. So every year, Jeannie Williams puts out, and you guys, you turn to in my heart too fast. Huh? I need the nativity. Please go stun. <coughs> If you stare hard enough at this nativity scene, there is no Jesus in the manger. It took me a long time to find this, yeah, on the internet. It's the only one that looks like this. The others are human size and all don't work. But this one actually does not have Jesus in the manger, just like the nativity scene Jeannie Williams bought. So every year she puts it out. And when people see it, what will they ask her? Where is Jesus? And what will she answer? He's in my heart. Now you can change. <laughs> he is in my heart. You know what's the best way to, in a sense, counteract or respond to the dark side of Christmas? Jesus in my heart. Jesus in my heart. So, today, if Jesus is not yet in your heart, if somehow you are here and you're not a Christian, let me just simply say, let him in. Just let him in. You don't even have to say the words. If in your heart you believe and you want to let him in, he'll just know. And he will come in as he promised. Uh, don't need to go through special prayer or whatever. Just let Jesus into your heart. If Jesus is already in your heart, if you're already a Christian, what is our response? Is to help others who do not have Jesus in their heart, let Jesus into their lives. We are witnesses of Christ. We are witnesses of Christmas. We know the dark side. We know the price that has been paid. Our response is to help everyone else, as far as we know, to let Jesus into their hearts as we have Jesus in our hearts. We also must remember then to pray and help as far as we can children who are still paying the price. So as we conclude... Just spend a few moments, invite you to spend a few moments in prayer for children who suffer, children who pray the price especially. And if you know someone personally, someone by name, please lift that to God. As we remember that in the light of all this, in the light of the dark side of Christmas, there is that silver lining possible and the one who paid 
the greatest price was God himself who came the God who came so that he might die as a baby in a manger let's pray Dear God, our Father, we thank you for the coming of Christ. We do confess that we are Herod. We thank you for those who paid the price that first Christmas. We pray for those who are still paying a price especially children and we ask that you will give grace to all of them we thank you that the center of Christmas is Jesus in my heart we pray that all those who do not have him in their hearts right now may someday invite him to and we pray that in as much as we can be witnesses and instruments of this process you will motivate and allow us so that we may truly respond to the dark side of Christmas Amen <laughs>